All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. This is a very special and exciting episode. I'm your host, Erin, and I am joined by actress, director, producer, dear friend, America Ferreira. Thanks for joining me, America. Hi. Thanks (laughs) for having me, Erin. Yeah. So we chatted uh, two weeks ago now about sort of... The, your first romance novel, sort of how you felt going into it, a little bit about romance novels. So you've officially read your first romance novel. Um, I had you read Suddenly You by Lisa Kleypas. What are your kind of like top level thoughts from, from the book or the experience? You also kind of brought the book around. Yeah, the book's been with me for a long time. I'm, I'm thankful that the that the cover of the book doesn't like give away too much in public that I'm that I'm reading something, you know, sometimes hot and heavy. Um, mm-hmm. So it allowed me to take it around. I read it on a plane. I read it, you know, uh, in all kinds of places. Um, yeah, you know, I think my top level thoughts are, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Like, also like, it's it's hard for me to read books, period, to find time to read books because I have two young children. And so like, yeah. you know, usually by the time I get around to reading a book, it's like late at night in bed where I read half a page and then I'm asleep. Um, so reading books feels like a really exciting treat and luxury. And like, um, so it was just kind of like fun to get to read a book. Um, And also like to read it fairly quickly where you're not like taking three months to read a book because you only read three pages at a time. And, you know, I was like at first it starts kind of right in pretty like hot and heavy with the sort of stereotypical expectations of what like a romance novel might be, which is like, you know, a very steamy sex scene. And I thought like, whoa, that's like right off the bat. Is it going to be like 400 pages of this? But then it moved more into character and story. And then I guess like the romance part of it, the 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 relationship between the two main characters, Amanda and Jack, and sort of like their really fun chemistry and unique, um, you know, relationship and and the kind of challenges that stood between them and i found myself like really invested in that part of it and i i don't know why if it's just like me or if it's like culturally i think romance novel and i'm like oh it's all in service of like hot steamy sex scenes you know versus (laughs) really thinking about like a well like well written characters and a well built out like pacing of a relationship and falling in love with these characters as they fall in love with each other, like any other novel, you know? So I think it pretty quickly kind of revealed to me what my preconceptions were of a romance novel. And then I quickly realized like, oh, yeah, it's just like good characters and a good story and you want to see it through and you want to see like how how it all comes together. Um, so that was fun. I also like, I feel like you obviously know me so well and and you you found the, the romance novel that kind of, at least for the time that it's set in, which is like late 1800s London was kind of feels like this very, you know, strong female, you know, feminist character at the center who, and there feels like there's a lot of, a lot of um, strong woman feminist themes throughout that I appreciated, um, and and which I think like there were parts of it that kind of just raised questions for me about like um, like oh that sem- that seems kind of playing into like old tropes of you know, women wanting to be feminists out in the world, but then dominated in bed, you know, and I think it like, it raised a lot of those questions for me. But because it's set in the late 1800s, you can, I could kind of like, 
move past those moments and sort of be like, well, it was the late 1800s. Not that it was written in the late 1800s, but because the, <laughs> the story is set in the late 1800s, um, I could get past more of that stuff. Whereas like if it was set in 2023, whatever year this is, um, I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't know how feminist that moment feels or like it, it it's kind of a deeper conversation about like women and sex and like you know i think some of the cultural stories we hold about like about places in which women are served by being dominated or sir you know like yes every woman wants to be a feminist but really she just wants someone to be her daddy right and like mm-hmm. tell her what's what and so anyway i just found myself like invested in the story, invested in the outcomes, liking the characters, and also having it like bring up a deeper conversation about like, oh yeah, like how do, how does sex and what happens in sex and the kind of, you know, the the non-intellectual, purely physical, animal parts of ourself that come out in the sex world how does that square and relate to our more intellectual views of like gender and gender roles and so anyway it was like also like i think brought up some really interesting food for thought and i so like I said last time we chatted, like picking a book for you was so hard for me because one, there's a million books that I love. We've already done a lot of books that I love for the podcast, so I couldn't do them twice. And as I was reading this book, which is by one of my favorite authors, I was like, I did accidentally pick quite a steamy one <laughs> for her. I kind of didn't think about I was like, oh, yeah, they do start by him fingering her on the couch and then it <laughs> goes from there and they have this three-month affair but I-, I think that's really interesting what you said a few things I'm the first one is well when our friend Tam read her first romance novel I remember the first thing she said to me she was like oh I didn't know they had plots I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly she's exactly. like I didn't know there was like a, a story there and I'm like well, yeah <laughs> obviously it's a book it would be so boring otherwise. It's not like, yeah, it's not like porn tube. Yeah. No. And also that's erotica. And if you want to read erotica, there's nothing wrong with erotica. And there's some no, great erotica no. out there. But um, that's not this. And also you really hit the nail on the head with, you know, having sex in these books. And again, not every romance novel has to have sex in it, but a lot do. And kind of how sex can serve a greater story and i think with this mm-hmm. book if you take all of the sex scene out and we made this a closed door book uh, for some reason that it's not the same novel you don't get the same depth of character and understanding that you would get that you get because of the sex scenes and i think that that's mm-hmm. really important i'm so happy that that kind of definitely that came through totally for this one yeah i I agree with that. I think you're right. Like the story would be the same, but your understanding of their relationship, you know, and, and like why, why this relationship in which he sort of challenges her to discover parts of herself that for whatever reason she was closed off to that it does change her, right? And it isn't just like, oh, I, I was a, I was a spinster, happy to be on my own, and then I fell in love with this man, or the idea of this man. It's like she fell in love with what he made her feel about herself, and and yeah, I mean, those sex scenes were sexy and hot and steamy and exciting and fun, but it's also, you know, advanced their relationship in the way that like good musicals, like you don't just pause and sing a song, you sing a song that moves the characters forward, that changes the characters, that changes the story. And, and so the, the, it's the, the medium is not separate from the message. It's all kind of one in the same. And, and I really appreciated that. Um, And, and I think the other thing that it, which now it, it does kind of pique my curiosity about 
the the genre of romance novels and what you what 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 you always say when you talk about it which is like they there's there's sex is political sex is gender politics you know and and so to it's kind of in a funny way makes you think about like well why do we tell stories about relationships and omit what happens in the sex room in the in the in the sex room why did i say in the sex room <laughs> like in, in the sex room um in the sexing why like as if that is in some way separate from the whole the whole of a of a relationship and the whole of of the 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 dynamics and the um and the um you know the 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 politics of a of a relationship so yeah, I found that super interesting. And again, like totally not at all how, how I I had perceived romance novels from the outside. And I think it's curious. It's like, well, why do we relegate romance novels that include the depth of like a, a sex life in in a couple's life? You know, why do we deem those novels kind of taboo and not brought into the whole cultural understanding of of you know relationships and 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 who people are and who people are to each other and so I don't know I think it it raises a lot of questions and opens up a lot of conversations for me I have because this is something I think about all the time because it's not just I, I I'm finding more and more with other media as well where and and feminist women and women that i admire who are saying like well we took the romance out of this story because we want to be feminist and we don't want a woman to just be you know going after a guy and we don't feel like that's a story that we want to tell which is like everybody tell the story you want to tell obviously but it's always so curious to me like why that's so devoid from serious storytelling because it's what most, if not all of us want. And hopefully a lot of us are product of millennia of people falling in love. Maybe not every situation, but you at least hope that that had been in there a few times. And it's something that we all work towards. I have like a deep like conspiracy theory as to why romance novels have been regulated that I only really formulated this week. So I'm still workshopping it. But I do think a lot of times what people say to women who are reading romance novels, like, it's just a fantasy. I'm like, listen, is a super hot millionaire who has the ability to change your entire professional career, as well as give you a phenomenal orgasm, just going to show up at your door on your 30th birthday? Probably not. But should you demand in a relationship somebody who brings out a, a part of you that you really love and is also good in the bedroom and is also kind of having this level of expectation in relationships. And I think that there's a lot of like men who don't want the expectations to be that high and find that to be a fantasy where I think exactly. it's not, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's in the story, like spoiler alert, if you haven't read this, then and pause and come back when you've read it but but like yeah. it's in it's baked into the story which is that like here's this woman which is ridiculous it made me laugh so hard she's like 30 i'm like jesus christ 30 was <laughs> the ages you know, of romance heroines you know, is left, upsetting yeah 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 like throwing her away she's like i'm 30 i'm a spinster which like <laughs> I guess was true in the late 1800s, but it just made me laugh. Cause I was like, oh my God, I didn't even like feel truly hot and sexual, you know, like really even start coming into my body and myself till I was 30, you know? So it just, it was hilarious that she's 30 years old. And, and, but that you take this woman, you know, in our society forward her to 45 or 50, right? And she's at an age where everyone else has basically like thinks that her value has expired, right? That her value in the culture, her sexual value, her attractiveness, her ability to, to, you know, have children, her ability, you know, that, that she sort of like, 
well, she's no good to anyone now. And that, and that a man would come along who against that, those beliefs would be attracted to her, um, inspired by her, inspired by her brain, her work, what she has to offer. And then so much in the relationship, so much of the relationship is like wanting to please her, wanting to, and you know, maybe that's the part of it that I think you're right, is the conspiracy is of like, culture doesn't want sex to be about pleasing women. And if in right. romance novels, you have male characters whose desire, that, that is our fantasy, like men in our lives or just sexual partners in our lives who are as interested in pleasing us and being curious about us and our bodies as they are about their own pleasure, um, that is pretty disruptive. That's pretty revolutionary in terms of where our culture is in talking about sex, sex relationships and, and women's, um, you know, own pleasure. And, and like, so that was, I think, the most revolutionary part of it. And it wasn't just, you know, society that had thrown her out, her own sister, her sisters both like were like ridiculous to marry for love, like marry a friend or whatever, and don't ever expect to have good sex. Like also women or people in our society who have resigned themselves to passionless and sexless lives, like also have a vested interest in demeaning, you know, the expectation that your, that your relationship to yourself sexually should be one of excitement and curiosity and passion. And so there's so many people in on the, the narrative that like, this is a fantasy and, and it's not good for anyone, for women or, or anybody to like believe in a world where their relationship to sex and to their own bodies and to their sex partners is, is, is one about freedom, right? It's about that's just ridiculous and lewd and vulgar and, and, you know, not for polite society. So I, I agree with you. Like if we were raised or if our daughters were raised if we were all raised, men and women and all genders, raised to think about sex as a, a source of self-discovery, a source of self-expression and experience that isn't about like fulfilling, you know, an expectation on you or fulfilling, you know, someone else's sexual desires or feeling shame about it or around it or that because you're past an age, you know, sex is gross for someone like you, like all of those things yeah. that we were taught and that are in our culture in this story are very much taken apart. And I think that that's like, it's not just good for women and for feminism, it's good for everybody. But then our society would fall apart because <laughs> we have so much is based on shame and shame and hiding and oppression. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Well, you mentioned spoiling the book. We always spoil the book in these episodes. So the audience knows that you should have read the book before you came to us. That's why we announced it early. So don't worry about talking about the ending. Um, and before we get into that, normally I do this at the top, but then we just like ran right into the ills of society. So <laughs> we skipped this part. <laughs> but um, what is the, uh, if you could quickly just summarize the plot of Suddenly You old spinster courted by younger, successful, hot man, and neither one of them wants to open themselves to each other entirely until they realize they are what they've been looking for. Yeah. The end. That was great. Is that like a trope? Is like old spinster courted by hot young man, a trope. Well, we don't realize that he is younger than her until the last chapter, I think. We find out that he's 25 to her 30, um, which Yeah, I but say... I felt like that was there from the beginning. No, like, I feel like she could tell, I don't know, I, I for me, like in the first scene, she describes that he looks young and then she's like, mm -hmm. how old are you? 
And then he like pauses and then says, I'm 31. I'm like, no, he's not. So like, I don't know. I guess I felt the whole time like he was younger than her. Yeah. It, it wasn't a surprise in the end. I always, the, the, the one thing about romance novels that I will say is the age, ages are always baffling to me because yeah, like she's 30 and she's on the shelf, which I guess at the time is one thing. But then um, that he's 25 and he's built a publishing empire. I'm like, 25? I, I know, the 25 yeah. thing. Yeah, the 25 <laughs> thing really. I guess I was like, well, I guess people died earlier then. So you had less time and you had to like get it yeah. in faster, I guess. But um, yeah, when because in my mind, I was like, I had immediately placed him also because he's just more like, domineering and a little bit like daddy like figure and she's so smart that I'm like I I don't like in my mind he was like a a 40 year old man you know mm -hmm. I didn't think of him I just thought of him as like more domineering so in the end when it was like he was 25 I had to do a lot of like reprogramming in my mind of like no that's not who I signed him to a 25 year old um, but then I thought, yeah, I guess everything was different back then. And, and it's just a novel. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have done, he, he, he got from that, um, boys home to, to publishing <laughs> empire so quickly, which I think good on him though. It's tough. Um, yeah. so that kind of hits on another tr like popular trope within romance, which is basically that every, which is like, uh, Sarah McLean, who's a wonderful romance author always talks about which is basically that like every romance hero is always a king he always needs to be like the king of the story and so something um within clay passes a lot of times she doesn't do like dukes oh, or roles like typically a lot of these kind of um historical romance novels are about it's always these like self-made men and i think it goes into the kind of like them always being kings uh, not literal kings but kings within the story that's really important yeah yeah um is that true for like the more modern stories it should be and it's one of those things that like i think it's it's what separates a great romance novel from a not like if the hero isn't a king even if he's like a teacher or a hockey player or you know whatever kind of uh, he needs to be like kind of the king of the community. Well, but so, so what yeah. is that? So what does that like say then in the deeper sense? Like what? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, it's great. It's a trope, right? Is it saying that like that's what's sexually attractive or romantically attractive or should be romantically attractive to women? Like, is it a is is it a separate trope or a separate genre? If it's like she falls in love with her plumber or like the guy who's like the guy who's like you know mowing the lawn like it's like are there those romance novels and are th those are considered like oh yeah not yeah though but he would be a he would be a i think th basically what it's saying is romance novels are always about the couple but they're also about community in general and it's about bringing together a community. So you need a romance hero who isn't um, somebody who's alone at the end of the novel. They need to be somebody who brings people together, somebody who looks out for other people. Like those are just traits that I think mm -hmm. we're all looking for. So that's why it's, yeah, what his job is, is pretty irrelevant. I mean, a lot of times they end mm -hmm. up being wealthy because that is a little bit of the wish fulfillment is that you end up with somebody right. who can who's wealthy. <sighs> Um, but I mean, in different levels of wealth too, like not everybody is like a billionaire. Um, but yeah, so just the, the, the general idea that they would be somebody who, who brings community together, which is something that, that Jack is able to do with kind of. And is that always job. true? Is the hero always the man in that sense? Like the yeah. kind of, yeah. Well, obviously there are stories where the both leads are men. Um, and then that's like a little bit different, but in general, yeah. but it's never the other way around. Like the woman is the king publisher and the man is an author. Yes. I'm sure that is a romance novel because everything is a romance novel and we'll get, 
I'll get emails about that. <laughs> it doesn't come to mind. Yes. I mean, there are other stories where like a man is isolated and a woman comes in and sort of it cracks his shell and is the one to kind of bring community to him. But the idea of a romance novel ever ending devoid of community, like ending and these two people are on an island and they're isolated is right. not an ending that would happen in a romance novel. Oh, it's not so part of a happily ever after. I kept, it's so funny because I kept having to remind myself of what you said about like, it's not a romance novel unless there's a happy ending. So when I got nervous about like, well, are these people going to end up together? I was like, <laughs> Aaron said that it's going to have a happy ending. But then I started getting scared because I was like, oh no, is her happy ending going to be with this Charles Hatley guy or Hartley guy and, and not with Devlin? And is that still considered a happy ending because she got something, but that's not the happy ending I want. Um, but then I had to keep going back to you being like, it's going to be happy ending. It's going to be happy ending. So I was like, okay, they'll, I hope they end up together. I hope that's the happy ending. Is there ever like a, like a surprise happy ending like that, where it's like the two people don't get, like, can there be a happy ending in a romance novel where the two people, the central romance does not, they don't end up together? Okay, because I thought like, well, is she just going to be like, he cracked me open forever so that I could find the man and then have this life. And that's her happy ending. That would not yeah, but be then a that's, romance. How is that a happy ending for Jack? Then he's just in no, his No, it's not. It's not, a happy ending for, it's not a happy ending for Jack. But Jack isn't the main character. She is. No, the happy ending. But what you're saying is that in a romance novel, the romance is the main character. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I talk it kind of generally about heterosexual like cis relationships, but obviously there's everything out there. There's right, 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 right. You know, um, but yeah, it, it's the central couple. So had she ended up with Hartley, then I think it wouldn't have been a romance novel because it wasn't her and Hartley's story. Right. It was her and exactly. Jack's story. Yeah. Exactly. So she was always going to end up with Jack. Right. But okay. I'm so happy because that's yeah. But that's the fun of a romance novel is because you should be feeling like 50 to 70 percent or 70 to 90 percent of the novel you should be like this isn't gonna happen this is gonna be the one <laughs> novel everyone said is a romance and i'm gonna read it and it's not gonna come together and you're like how can they do this because that's the skill is how to make people be like these people cannot be together at this point in the book but by the end, they have to be together. And you also have to believe that they are happy for the rest of their lives. Like, I believe Amanda and Jack lived full, mm -hmm. happy lives together. I can't, I, it can't be precarious. That's stressful. <laughs> yeah. um, That's the most unbelievable part to me. I was like, and then they're just going to have great sex for the next 30 years of their life. I'm like, mm. <laughs> Probably not, <laughs> but but cool. Like that could live in the romance novel. Um, but yeah, you do get the sense that they'll that they're happily ever after and they're gonna be perfect. I wonder if like I I have a question about whether or not like in the romance novel community, like the fan base and the avid readers, like is there are there kind of political conversations inside of like what romance novels should be challenging or moving towards or like is this a helpful narrative to keep on perpetuating in romance novels do we like do those conversations happen inside of the like avid fan community what do you think thousands of women I mean I guess yes but I guess you yeah hmm? yeah but I guess just because you talk about like these rules and I guess I, I guess we should talk about like what are the difference between the rules of a romance novel and like the tropes of a no romance novel because obviously tropes are gonna different tropes are gonna exist in every novel but if you're saying like okay has to have a happy ending the romance has to be at the center of it. And then, oh, what was the third rule? I forgot. That's it. Just there's only two rules. Oh, just those two rules. Okay. Okay. So those are the rules. So then 
but then can, could I write a romance novel that had a different kind of happy ending and be like, this is still a romance novel without the romance community being like, it's not a romance novel or are there- but what's the there different a, ending? Like I said, like, what if I'm like, well, my happy ending is that like, she was like, that was great sex and I feel changed and I still wanna be alone. And I still don't wanna pick one of these men, but like, I think that's a happy ending. Like if I was like, I don't think, and I'm not saying this is my view. I'm just curious mm -hmm. about like how much room for um, debate is there around like, you know, romance novels, defending them and then, all, but, but at the same time, challenging them and pushing them to say like, I don't think that the man needs to be the king, right? Like, I think that that's, we should do away with the idea that women can only be attracted to men who are more powerful and more driven in society. Do you know what I mean? Like, is that conversation happening in the community? I'm just kidding. I mean, there's a very, pop yeah, I mean, there's a very popular romance novel series that is basically built around the idea of what if the hero was not a king like what if they like the a beta hero so it happens it's not necessary um there's no alternative happily ever after if you market a book as a romance mm. it's the one thing everything else can change it needs to have okay. the central love story uh, the central romance and it needs to have the couple that you've set up together at the end of the story because you can't, so it can't part... end and like and then he died and she lived happily by herself <laughs> that's not that a happy ending <laughs> i mean so but if like if you keep going one of them's gonna die right like if the story keeps but in a romance novel you would never like fast forward all to all the way to the point where eventually she dies of cancer and he's with his two kids and he's looking remembering her fondly like that is ultimately the end of that story but in a romance novel you can't actually get to that part you have to stop with them together and happily ever after yes yeah <laughs> there's so, so there's a there's one romance that i feel like is a romance everybody tells me it's not i'm possibly in the okay. wrong here i believe it's lorraine heath I cannot remember the title, but basically it, it's a novella about a guy who falls in love with his childhood best friend. She dies at, in childbirth and then he sees her as an apparition, as a ghost. And then finally the book ends. He has died and they walk into heaven together. And so I'm like, well, they end up together in the next plane. So that is a romance and mm -hmm. nobody agrees with me. <laughs> I'm on an island with, no with continuing. With yeah, with this being a romance. But I, I think part of, because part of what romance is, it's, it's these two people coming together. And like you said, Jack inspires something in Amanda around how she views herself and how she is able to kind of shake off these societal expectations of her and how she's, able to find pleasure and joy in her body, which is not something that she was able to do before. She, the way she has a lot of like self-hatred about her body and is told a lot of times it's wrong. She's with a man who's obsessed with it. And in the other way too, Amanda brings to Jack this idea of, of family, of community, of being somebody who can show up, of being able to kind of break generational curses because he comes from a pretty messed up situation and how you can build a family despite your beginnings that is kind of reflective of, of who you want to be for the future. It doesn't work if then at the end Jack's dead or she's with Hartley or something, because that's not the continuation of these two people being together, you know? Right. Something else that crossed my mind, and because I don't know the full spectrum of possible romance novels and what's all out there and what people have talked about is like, is it, you know, cause like I grew up with like women in my 
lineage who like spent a lot of time watching telenovelas. That shit ain't real. That shit's crazy. That shit makes people crazy, right? And you're like, it's not good for you to sit here and like watch all this shit that's not real. And then you think that's that's what life is. And like, that's bad. Is there a version of that in the romance novel world where you're like, is this perpetuating sort of unrealistic expectations of what happily ever after is meant to look like? And does that make people crazy and set their expectations for romance at a place where they're just always going to be unhappy? Because as much, as much fun as it is, I'm like, yeah, Jack and Amanda are having hot sex. They like each other. They're quippy. The things mm -hmm. that annoy them right now make them hot and heavy. Fast forward to 10 years later, the things that annoy you are not going to make you want to have sex. They're going to make you want to kill this person. That's just life, right? That's just like the time does that. So like, is this part of the debate of like, is this unhealthy for people to perpetuate the ideas that like a, a, a marriage should be and feel like all of these things and that's when you know you found true love? I don't think that the problem with society today, which is kind of like, as we were saying earlier, is women having too high of expectations. You know, I think if anything, women have too low expectations of men and relationships. I've been thinking about that recently, too, because I feel like there's all of this societal chatter about how much you should hate being married and how you should kind of hate your husband um, mm. and how it should be awful. And like, listen, every day is not sunshine and rainbows, but I'll say like most of the time I have a pretty good time. <laughs> most of the time I'm yeah, happy with yeah. the situation I'm in. And I don't feel like there's as much representation of like feeling like you're really in a partnership or really mm. getting a lot of joy out of spending time with this person. Mm. So I think, you know, is it possible for romances to be unhealthy? I think it's possible for anything to be unhealthy, but mm. I don't think that that's like a huge issue. And also I think, women are adults and can kind of understand what is fantasy and what isn't and what is something yeah. that you can replicate in real life and what you can't. I mean, and right now there is a huge controversy happening within the, the romance community of, so there's sports romances are really popular, particularly hockey romances are very popular. Mm. And a woman reader was going to games and yelling like overly sexually explicit things at this one hockey player. And he and his wife were both like, that's not cool. Oh, like cut it. Like that's don't act like that in public. And she didn't stop. But kind of universally throughout the romance community, everybody is saying that's an insane way to act. Like, don't do that. Don't upset somebody. <laughs> don't sexually harass anybody. No. If somebody tells you to stop doing something, stop doing it, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's always going to be kind of outliers, but in general, I think not. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I also feel like it's so funny. It's like, Okay. Yeah. This is also new to me. You know, it's not really something I've spent that much time thinking about, but like in a lot of ways, every story we tell is a love story and like people want that at the center or at least as a part of so much. I mean, I can't talk specifically about any of my work past or previous because we're currently in a screen actors guild strike, but I feel like I've been on TV shows and in movies that are about a lot of things. And, and the thing that people seem to really get invested in are like the, like, you know, the show that could be about any number of things like career ambition or family or whatever it is. And at the end of the day, there's so much energy around like, but who's she going to end up with and who does she love and who did like, you know, it's like, People are so, yeah, I mean, what did you say? Like, it's what, it's the thing that like animates all of humanity is like love and partnership and belonging. And like, it is just so interesting that, it's interesting to me how there's even like this 
separate genre that we think of as like, well, that's romance. And then everything else is about everything else. When it's like, no, everything else is also about romance and love. Like everybody, you know, wants that. You think about every great movie of all time and 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 what people glom onto. And it's like Jack and Rose, and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Call me by your name or like the things people love. Um, it is so funny to me that there is this delineation. And and I think that that's what's curious to me is like, what is the difference and why is there a difference between the romance body of work and everything else? And like, why do we kind of culturally like separate out the two and, and also build rules and projections around like who that's for and who that's by versus everything else it's it's interesting to me i i find it baffling and very interesting too because i just don't understand you know i've read hundreds of these books and like you know some are not so great and some are masterpieces but how few romance novels end up being adapted because I'm like, it's strong characters. It's yeah. a lot of time, like a strong plot, rabid fan base. It's something that I have had just like big question marks around for so long. I don't know why. And we've had, obviously, like we had Bridgerton, which was like a very big um, one. And then I was like, great. I was so pumped because I was like, this is going to be opening the door and we're going to have so many now. And we had none we had i no no historicals anyway and it's i i find it so so confusing and i don't know if that's something you you know ha, you don't have answers to or can even talk to but i i do mm -hmm. find it very strange yeah i feel like you know there used to be like a genre of you know rom-com movies or tv shows that were you know, unabashedly about that, like the era of like, how to lose a guy in 10 days and my best mm -hmm. friend's wedding and like, and there were just like, there were a lot of really great rom-coms. I mean, so much has changed in the film and television industry and like what kind of movies get made, period. Um, um, but what I've seen lately is sort of this kind of like a like a, a downgrading of how romantic comedies are treated in our industry. They're like cheap, they're a dime a dozen, they're on every streaming platform. Like one comes out every month, but like take it or leave it. You know, it's like, I, I mean, I've seen it just even in the like scripts that are out there. And there's not like a, a serious, genuine treatment of uh, romantic comedies or romantic dramas they've kind of that been pushed out by you know the superhero universe of of movies that are obviously not targeted towards towards women who who is probably the perceived audience for for stories that are about romance drama or comedy and so yeah you do have to wait till someone with the power of like a Shonda Rhimes to say like I'm going to make this you know, to really get a, a genuine, um, like, creative and budget treatment that would make it good and worth watching, you know? Yeah, I always find it so interesting, too, because then when you ask people their favorite movies, it's always, like, Moonstruck. I mean, for me, When Harry Met Sally, these are very, like, mm -hmm. romance-heavy movies that totally. were nominated for Oscars. And, yeah. I mean, should have been. And so, yeah, I, I always find it very strange. I mean, I think it you hit the nail on the head where I think it goes back to kind of, like, who is the audience for that? And it's not an audience that, like, typically gets catered to. Mm -hmm. Which is a bummer because men also like romance and men can benefit from romance and men can, I, I think all men should read romance novels, read at least one because I think it, it teaches them a lot or could. I wish that I could speak about a lot of the examples that are running through my mind of um, just like in the film and television world of how like, you know, in a lot of movies that are marketed towards men, um, 
there is romance in it. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, couched inside of all of these other things. And there is, there are tropes to that too. And tropes that don't necessarily give women, you know, um, a voice and a say and strong character development. And um, I do think that there's, there's more um, capacity and appetite inside of like non-female audiences that, that, that could be drawn to, you know, I just, I mean, I just remember growing up and like my dad and my friend's dad's like, they loved that movie love story as much as anyone, you know, like they watched yeah. it. And it was a part of like culturally it was okay for a, a view of masculinity to include like love. Right. And it, it is kind of crazy that, that it's sad that in a lot of ways, so much of our mainstream media like is, is um, divested of, of, of such an important aspect of being alive and also just like perpetuating this image of masculinity that is like devoid of like softness or curiosity or sexuality or you know real interest in that it is such a universal experience i'm always like not many of us are going to have to like drive a car off of a building in order to save <laughs> something but like all of us will hopefully fall in love yeah it's such a more common experience and it's always so strange to me that like one is like yes let's go and one is like well who will be relating to that it's like every 99 percent of the population i don't know um yeah. anyway but um, to go over to talk a little bit more about tropes, this book has one of the co most controversial tropes. And I'm interested to hear what you think of it, um, which is Secret Baby. Amanda. Secret Baby. That is a yeah. trope. It's funny because I knew like as soon as, you know, the scene where he like doesn't pull out, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to get her pregnant. Um <laughs> But then I had forgotten about it by the time that she was like sick and I was like, oh, she's pregnant. And yeah, it was like, I mean, it's obviously a device. Like it, it, it's very hard. I think it's very hard. I mean, without knowing anything about common romance tropes, it was an element that felt so, it felt like a device. It felt like from the outside. It wasn't character driven. It wasn't, it was like, and in a way took away her agency as this feminist woman to make choices about her life and then to throw this in there i guess i appreciated that her instinct was like i'll go live alone in france like at least <laughs> at least that was her instinct and i was like you go girl like go live that life in france me and my baby we gonna be all right like i just thought about like beyonce i was like she's gonna mm -hmm. be fine go have your baby you'll meet a french man it'll be great um it was suki you know, the maid was thrilled to go to france she was suki like let's was go to like, france let's go to spain have, let's go i haven't wanted to be in england for years i was like oh suki's gonna be real disappointed because <laughs> she ain't going nowhere um but but i i it, yeah it was honestly the like hartley i don't know how much things are supposed to feel like a surprise i i wasn't surprised by very much i have to say mm -hmm. like i I knew from the beginning, well, I, you ruined, you spoiled it for me that he was the editor. I wish I hadn't known that to see if like, you know, I would have been um, surprised by that. Probably, I probably would have been surprised that he was the editor. And even if I wasn't surprised, it was still like effective, you know, dramatically effective um, in that moment where they meet at the party. I wasn't surprised about the Hartley moment like, I was like, oh, okay, the moment that they, like, he's going to be the foil and there's going to be a moment where she goes to him. And, like, none of that surprised me. Um, and the baby, like, but, 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 like, it wasn't necessarily surprising, but it was effective. When, when, I, I have to say, the moment for me where it felt, it went from feeling very, like, kind of like, 
juicy and good and about character and surprising to like it became a little bit more traditional to me and a little bit like in service of the rush to get these two characters together was like when her sister came and then just like that she was like mm -hmm. i can't be with you this is the wrong choice like if she had started out as a woman who valued and cared about those things that her sister cared about then maybe but the fact that she was so like in the throes of this romance and this love on that one visit from her bitch ass sister, you know, who was mainly jealous, like would make her get rid of this man and then go be with this other man. Like that's when it all started to feel like, uh, okay, a little bit like devicey and I mm -hmm. didn't and, and rushed, to be honest, it felt rushed because she had to go build this relationship that I never cared about only to like get rid of it and to get rid of it with the baby. So all of that felt very um, uh, predictable and like not the most exciting parts of the story. You know, um, I was curious about how, and, and, and truthfully, it was the point that to me took away the agency from Amanda, which I loved in the beginning. I loved too that she was like, I'm gonna take charge of losing my virginity. I'm gonna have a male prostitute come to me, you know, and and like, I'm going to do the book and I'm going to engage with this guy who I think is hot and we're going to have sex and it's going to be at my house. And like, there was a lot that was fun and exciting and empowering. And honestly, once the like, once there was this sort of like mad dash rush to like plot, 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 plot points and, and the devices to get there, I feel like she lost interest as a character. She, she lost her agency and, she felt less interesting to me because she was like, oh, gee, my sister's right. I guess I should pick the more sensible thing and just knew that that was the wrong choice for her. And it was like, OK, how is she going to get back to the things she needs? And then she just kind of became like a tool for everybody else, you know, a tool for, you know, these two men to kind of be like this. She has a baby in her belly. She can't make these decisions for her life. You know, I think that's where like the strength of the character of the Amanda character started to like dissolve for me. So, so I can see why it's a controversial trope, definitely, because it was a plot device to get her back with Devlin, but it sort of undercut and undermined her as a character. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the visit from Sophie always sucks because it's just she's given bad advice. Part of me always wonders how much of that is her own old, self-esteem issues coming back where she's kind of like, I know Jack is going to leave. I know ultimately he doesn't want what I want and I want to kind of end it before he does. Um, but but, but that I, would have been more compelling and interesting to me, like in a moment between her and Jack and not yeah. between like, like how many times has her sister given her that same lecture? Like how many times has her sister been like, you should settle down. Do you know what I mean? It's like this character who's been so strong and courageous and built this whole life and gone so against the grain of her family and then to be like in you know it's like you know to be in the throes of the thing that 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 you that your life gives you it affords you you know because like because i made these choices i can experience this love i can experience this freedom and then in that moment for her sisters bad advice that I'm sure isn't the first time she heard that bad advice to be the thing that turns her felt not fully real to me or flushed out. Like yeah. I would have preferred it to be like, you could tell she was falling in love with Jack. Like if it was something that had happened between them, if it was something that she wanted from him that she couldn't get. And that became the thing that was like, oh, I thought that I could do this thing and I can't do this thing. Like, uh, that would have felt more more real and more empowering to me for that character, even if it was the same choice, even if it was, I can't be with you because I thought that I could do this and not fall in love with you and give you my whole heart, but I can't. And you just proved to me that like, I'm not safe with you. And so I'm going to make this other choice. Like that would have been more interesting to me. But obviously, you know, the author's not taking notes from me. She wrote her book and I enjoyed it. But, 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 you know, bringing up the trope of, of the baby, that is for me when it started to, I think, compromise 
the integrity of her as a character. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it's not real and realistic, you know, not to say that like all of a sudden being pregnant with someone else's child wouldn't change your feelings about things because it would, but, but I can understand why it in some levels feels like kind of like a crutch as you know, that the, I don't know how people feel about tropes. I think of tropes as like a derogatory term, but I don't know necessarily that that's the way you approach it that the tropes are derogatory or like lazy or like these sort of cliches when authors use them in a way it feels like it's almost like part and parcel of the genre i don't know you tell me oh i would not say tropes are derogatory and i do think and and not and they're not yeah they're useful devices and i think it's also because romance is so huge and there's thousands if not millions of books it it's a way to also like get closer to what you want. So if you, some people like secret baby and some people hate secret baby. So if you hate secret baby, you would be like, okay, well, this is not a book for me because I hate secret baby or I hate, you know, brother's best friend or whatever the trope is. Uh And I think, yeah, the thing that's interesting about the thing that I find interesting about secret baby, and it's a trope that I do love. Also, I've never been pregnant. So I can also see that like, once you're pregnant, you're like, I feel a different way about like keeping a pregnancy secret. But I think Mm -hmm. it's so to me, like, deliciously dramatic. And I feel like it so like turns up the fire on it all a little bit, because like, now we have a clock that has started, which is like, she's going to start showing people will know that she's pregnant. She has to start making like what are normally pretty bad decisions really quickly. And I find the fallout of that really interesting. The thing that this secret baby trope does is that there are two ways to resolve the trope. And so one is the man has to kind of like come to his senses without knowing that she's pregnant. And then the pregnancy is revealed after he's already like come to her and declared his love. Or unfortunately what happens in this book, which I also somehow forgot but she has a miscarriage and he has to kind of confess to her like I still want this life with you I still want to build a family with you I still want to be with you because for her she thinks the only reason we're together is because I was going to have this baby that was our link and that link is gone and now yeah you know yeah how do we move forward yeah that was what that's the Yes. And it had to be, it it either had to be a moment like that where she loses the baby and he's like, I love you, whether Mm -hmm. we have a baby or don't have a baby, or he needed to go and confess his love before he realized she had a baby. You know, exactly. Um, Yeah. So it's definitely dramatic. um, But, but, you know, I kept reminding myself, like, this is the 1800s. You know, I think for me, I was just so excited by like the independence of her. But, you know, I think that that is the age old conversation about like, you know, biology and the reality of biology and nature versus like culture and society, right? Like what, and that's, you're not going to make anyone happy, happy. Like, I think it's a conversation we should have, but everyone's going to feel strongly about like, about like a woman who is fiercely independent and has built a life she loved and that ultimately at the end of the day all she really wanted was to have a a man and a baby you know i think that should you know i don't disagree with it uh, the the premise of it by any means and at the same time it 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 pokes at it pokes at these kind of age old conversations about like what is what is feminism and 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 um and how free can we as women be from those constructs of of you know wife family mother uh, but and i'm i'm i have to say i'm totally um surprised and excited to have a different experience of a whole genre of literature that i've never really engaged with thoughtfully so i'm I'm grateful that you asked me to do this and read this and I'm going to ask you to to send me you know one of one of the ones that you think is great like what's 
what are the grades for you? Because I'd, I'd love to keep reading. Oh, that's so good to hear. I also think, just to push back a little bit, I don't think that Amanda wanted just any husband in any situation. Like, she, she didn't think she wanted it until she was like, I want it with this person. Well, you know? no, because I, I agree with different. you until Hartley came around. It, it was like, it's well, that moment. she was about to have a baby. No, but she didn't know. Oh, she was with right. Hartley before she discovers the baby. Like, it was that conversation with the sister that all of a sudden turned her into, like, uh, you know, somebody that she hadn't been the whole time. You know, not to judge the woman that she was, but to judge that, like, she'd built this entire character based on her, like, I don't want that life. You know, my, yes, my sister's married, like, these people who were like, fine, but she was like, I don't need that. Like, I'm not looking to be. And then all of a sudden, Hartley became the the concession prize, but she never wanted a concession prize. You know, she that's why she'd never gotten married. So why she went from like, well, I can never have Devlin. So I guess I'll just go have this nice thing. It's like, well, why couldn't she just choose the life she had? And And, and I think that was the part that felt like it sold out the character a little bit, you know? Yeah. That like, oh, what Devlin it revealed to her was that at the end of the day, what she really wanted was to be in a relationship. But she can't be in a relationship with the guy. She, Why she wanted to be in a relationship with Devlin, I completely understand. The book did a fantastic job of setting up like who these people were to each other and how they made each other feel. And so that's a marriage that she was, or that was a relationship that she was excited to be in. But why it became like, I guess I'll go marry this nice guy or like that was always on the table for her but she had chosen right. her own life so why all of a sudden did it become like oh, i guess i'll go with this guy do you know what i mean that was the part that for me like betrayed the the premise of the character no i think that's fair i think that's fair i do think that there's also kind of a retreating that can happen after you know, her experience with Jack that she's kind of like, well, you know, maybe I could recreate it in kind of a way, but with somebody more suitable. I don't disagree with you. I, I do think that that's, that's fair. And I and all those things are realistic. I mean, we're humans are weird and complicated and do all kinds of things. So it's not to say like, that would never happen. Like, of course, that would happen. Of course, that does happen. Like, but it's just to say, like, for me personally, when I think about like, character, I think like I, I wanted the integrity of who she was to be able to stay intact the whole time. And I think ultimately like it does, but with, with again, with that section for me from when her sister arrives to when she's back being feeling like this was about plot and not about staying true to the character. I'll write I'll write an AP English uh, paper about it and I'll send it to you for for my official grade. I can't wait. I'll, I I think you'll probably get an A A plus. Listen, anything um, that evokes passionate conversation is 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 exciting to me. So I love it. Yeah, I know. You're listen. You're an Aries, and I love that about you. And I'm, <laughs> that's um, no, it makes, thank you so much for going on this journey with me. And especially you, you entered it with such a huge open heart and open mind. And it makes me so happy that you enjoyed the book and that you're interested in reading more romances. I mean, I, I, my head is already swimming with the ones that I'll recommend to you because there are so many really, really fantastic ones. Um, yeah. And, and I love you so much and, and thank you so much. And I love you so much. <laughs> Um, thank you. This was really fun. I'm glad we finally did it. And thank you for giving me a reason to say to my husband, you watch the kids. I have to go read a romance novel, <laughs> which I think he was like, wait a second. I'm like, I have to. It's work. I'm doing a podcast for Erin. Go watch the kids. I have to sit in this dark room and read this very sexy romance novel. <laughs> He's going to be so, like, so now Aaron is having you on every week because this is something we need to discuss. It's yeah. my new gig. Um, I love you. Thank yeah. you for this. Hi. Love you so much. Is there any any last words or any last thoughts or anything you want to say before we go? No, just that it was like exciting. And I hope I hope that you keep on um, having the conversations and like 
I don't know. I And maybe like romance authors and people who read romance novels don't care what other people think about them and, and people find it when they find it. But I'm also like, I wish there was a bigger cultural conversation around like why we dismiss romance novels. Cause I'm like ashamed of myself for having done that for so long. So <laughs> I hope you keep having that conversation. Yeah. So, well, and I'm happy also to bring this, that conversation, cause that's a conversation that's been happening internally for so long, but I think externally it needs to be happening as well. Yeah. But Bravo. I love you. You get an A plus. Thank you. And um, I'll talk to you soon. But until then, to the audience, I want to say happy reading. Happy reading.